Airbus.net Podcast Network. To Digital Noise. This is the Digital Boys since Bot 2000. God damn it. Japanese innovation. I'm tired of you. You're taking my jobs. I can't work no more. I'm sorry. Chris could not be here any longer. He was not efficient. All right. Well, fine. Just tell me something pithy. I'm sorry. Can you phrase the question again? Okay. That's pretty pithy. That passes. Please start by saying, Alexa, please tell me something pithy. You know, I'm actually thinking about developing an Alexa app to to fetch magic card prizes. I'm actually really shocked that she didn't, because uh, we have one, and she didn't do anything. I like, I guess if you say it in a robotic voice, she won't respond. She knows it's condescending, and she's not. She's above that. She's like, it's insulting. I yeah. don't have to sit here. I'm, and take I'm that. a robo being. All right. Well, we are going to talk about all the Blu-rays and DVDs that have come out. I'm here with Joe. Welcome back, Joe. Hello. And we actually have a. We're going to launch here with a set that. I was worried about watching, and then I ended up having a really good time. I refer to this as the Johnny Neal collection. Why why was that? Uh, Because it's right up his camp. (laughs) It definitely feels like I actually told Martin about it. I was like, Martin, you have to. This is so you. You're going to have to watch this. Oh, I can see Martin watching the shit out of this. Uh, Well, the reason is because this character, OSS117, is this French guy who predates James Bond by... Quite in, like like I think the books were no the movie was like six years and the books were like twelve years or something. Well, but it's a French dude who's an American dude. Yeah, weirdly, he's yeah. like a, from Louisiana, which is why he speaks French. Right. Even though you think everyone would be like, "Your accent is fucked up, dude." <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound all gross and weird. It, yeah, it doesn't sound Cajun. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay, that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Um. And upon. You know, starting to watch this collection of the, it's not the first five because the first movie is actually not in the set. It's from the Galmont years, I think they had okay. the production company. So it's like the five after the first so one. So like all the all the rights bullshit. Yeah, and there was a lot more after this as well. But uh, this, I think there's four different characters actors who play him in this set. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy who plays him in the first two, a guy who plays him in the second two, and then. One for each of the next ones. Mm. But what was weird was like certain researchers and realizing, wow, Ian Fleming totally ripped this shit off. Well, yeah, time. he did. <laughs> In a huge <laughs> way. Like, I mean, I get it. Both the writer of these things, well, the original writer who wrote, I want to say it was like 88 books or something. Oof. And then his wife took over when he died under using his name, basically. Yeah. Wrote another hundred and something books. And then their daughter and her husband took over for like another 40 books after that. Yeah, it's a family <laughs> It really, It li- quite literally is. Um, but you look at, I mean, OSS 117. 007. You're like, okay, come on. That wasn't just by being in the Secret Service. Y'all both picked that up. It well, was yeah. like, that's a direct ripoff. And in every other way, you're like, it's James Bond. Right. This guy is totally James Bond. He's a complete womanizer. Yeah, he's sexy. He's sexing it up. Yeah, he's got cool gadgets. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like they – honestly, watching these movies felt like watching like the first two or three Sean Connery Bonds. Right, and he has a, uh, an, a disregard for immediate human life. Like, he's there for the greater good, but eh. – 
Yeah, I mean, he's still going to get the shit done. He's still going to end up with one of the girls. Yeah, um, at least. Yeah, and you, uh, quite often one of the girls is a femme, is more of a femme fatale, is like mm-hmm. evil, and like you know what have you. Octopushy. Uh, here it has um, Panic in Bangkok. OS one one seven is unleashed. Mission for a killer. Mission to Tokyo and double agent. Uh, and you know the first one's black and white. The rest are in color. But I just, I mean, I'll tell you this. One thing I will say definitively I like about this series even better than the Bond series, the soundtrack to these things is great. Oh, yeah, it's super sexy. Yeah, it's all super jazzy stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is badass. There's absolutely zero Adele. <laughs> zero Adele. Well, you know, that admittedly came a little bit later. In fact, <laughs> this series itself evolved to where a couple years back they got John Dujardin, who was in, of course, The Artist, who mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Academy Award winning The Artist, to play him, but they did it as a send-up. Like, mm-hmm. They're like, okay, it's a they're OSS one one seven movies, but now we're satirizing the original films. Although weirdly, you'd think if you were doing a satire, they would have kept him an American, but no, they changed it so he's actually a French guy. Yeah, awful, well, sad. I don't. <laughs> I just don't understand. You like the French missed an opportunity to make fun of Americans? I don't get it. That yeah, well, sometimes you don't make the shots you take. <laughs> Well, yeah, these things actually look great on Blu-ray. They all take place in, like, exotic locales. Um, I just had a fun time. What did you think? Uh, I, I really liked it. Um, they're definitely not the same thing, but except for the fact that they both took place on Europe land. But, like, the difference between Giallo and this is that, like, there's no seriousness whatsoever to any of these things. Like, it's, no. it's just fun and camp and popcorn cheek. just, like, the entire way. Uh, you're, you're not going to be bored and, uh, you're, you're, you're just in for a fun ride and I can totally appreciate that. Yeah. Um, this is one of those sets I, I like feel like I should have seen some of these by now. Yeah, me too. I was like, why don't I know about this? There's like so many of these movies and they're so popular in Europe and we just, it just, no one even tried to translate it over to American audience. You know, maybe it's because Bond just kind of blew all that shit out of the water, but still, it kind of did a disservice. But it does make you wonder. There's this big brand just sitting there, mm-hmm. you know, and you're kind of like, well, why isn't, like, you feel like somebody in America was like, well, shit, man, we're going to take this. And we need Charming movies. Tater to play him. Dude, I could totally see Charming mm-hmm. Tater. He'd be like, hey, how's it going? I'm beefy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> hey, y'all, I'm, I'm from Cajun land. <laughs> God, they're going to tie it into Gambit. Uh, yeah, but Ouch. I, I do actually super recommend this. In fact, uh, I'm going to go so far as say this is actually my pick of the week. Oh, hey, we're in, we're in agreement. Because it's a, it's a solid set. It's something people should see. I'm it's glad hours of enjoyment. Yeah, I'm glad they're finally going to get a chance to see. I can't wait for Martin to watch them so I can talk about them with him. Cause he's yeah. Be, this is totally up his alley. All right, so now let's get on to the crap. Um, and really, there's a he's lot not, of it. He's not lying, guys. There's, there's he's a, not lying. I, after I've watched, because this is one of the few times I had to give like somebody else all the movies before I saw them. So sometimes stuff I'm like, this is so bad, I'm not going to make them watch it. So I'm not going to hand it off to him. But Joe watched this stuff before me, yep. and afterwards me watching, I was like, oh, what have I done? Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ, this is some shit. He he kind of noticed it was bad when I handed off the movies and pissed on his foot. Yeah, I think that gave me the first clue. This first one that is probably the least bad in some ways, but True. still pretty bad. True, least bad, bad but still awful. Is you know? uh, 222, uh, an American 
uh, set but Australian made thriller. Although they oh, made it in Australia. Oh, okay. That, yeah. that's Is it weird how some yeah. people that inexplicably have Australian well, accents? There were, and, yeah, there was there were a lot of little touches that just didn't quite jive with my little human brain, and that that makes complete sense now. Uh, trying to explain the plot to this thing is, uh, I imagine was just as hard when they were trying to pitch it because it ultimately didn't feel like it made a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, because they kind of set it up as like an eternal or current situation, but it totally wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's sort of Groundhog Day-y, but not. It's sort of Donnie Darko-y, but yeah. not. Like it's, uh, Michael Hoosman, he plays an air traffic controller who's really, really good at figuring out patterns so he's good at being an air traffic oh controller. i thought the dude was gonna be a fucking genius and yeah. it turns out he's just a dipshit he's just a dipshit yeah <laughs> um but he gets suspended uh from his job after he has a trippy moment out of nowhere and almost causes a collision um of course we see that Teresa palmer is on the one of the pl- planes that almost collides he almost kills his piece yeah he almost kills his future <laughs> piece and they end up meeting they have a meet cute and hit it off and Everything he starts seeing patterns in life of things that connect the two of them and things that where he keeps seeing every day, not the same people doing the same things, but different people doing the exact same things at the exact same time in the exact same place. Well, let's let's go ahead and pause a little bit. OK, so the fact that they have the meet cute and he makes the realization and admits to her, oh, I almost totally fucking killed you and hundreds of other people. Sorry about because that. Because I daydreamed. And yeah. she's all like, that's cool. That's fucking groovy, dude. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, well, that's cool it's shit, like, man. That's a little too understanding. Yeah, I think I would have been pissed, but, you know. Slightly. She, she, is, she is a little bit of a hippie chick. Well, she but she had a window seat, and so she saw that shit, like, first row. Very true. <laughs> a little bit of PTSD, you would imagine. But, yeah, I mean, I think this movie could have worked. If it wasn't for its insistence that it was going to be a sexy romance movie, too. That and when when they did the big, uh, not switcheroo, but the big reveal of like, ooh, this is the third guy and, yeah. and it's now a triangle. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, there was no real tension about that whatsoever. And, I mean, even like, once the movie plays its hand with, okay, so this is what's happening, it just kind of... It just you're just watching all the pieces fall into place for the inevitable ending, and you're like, okay. And it really depends on you feeling something for these two characters, which, which they can't establish. Yeah, they can't establish. There's no chemistry between these actors whatsoever, no matter how many red shoe diaries, soft lit shots they try to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, and ultimately you end up with a movie. You're like, I'm not entirely sure what I was supposed to get out of that, but uh, whatever it was, I didn't get it. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to get. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. Very disappointed with the film that sounded like it essentially had kind of a super interesting premise and then went to just cornball. Land. Sure, yeah. They have they have like a really shitty holodeck that's actually an art installation. Yeah, like- what is that all about? <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. The guy's got like, oh, I built this like weird holodeck type room, but with like vector graphics. Yeah, and, and it's like, okay, cool. Where did you build that shit? Like, I don't know. <laughs> don't worry about it. He was very non-interactive about his active yeah, part. That whole thing, I'm like, I don't think that's really a thing no no nobody's going to like shine a laser in my eyes and the movie's kind of like are we in the future are we in the past is this does it matter the all answer we, is yeah. it does not matter yeah all we know is the 60s like i just yeah i almost completely was like almost turned this off in the third act i was like i just don't care this anymore. was a tough one to, to stick through and yeah this is like we said the least bad of the bad ones we're talking about this week and and you know 
let's just go on to the next one, which I could get. I know people who this movie, The Legend of the Holy Drinker, is something they'd be like, this is brilliant. I bet I hate those people. Maybe I know them and love them, but I hate these people. I mean, this movie won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. It won four David and Donatello Awards for Best Film, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Editing, and two Silver Ribbons for Best Director and Best Screenplay. And it was selected as the Italian entry for Best Foreign Language Film at the 61st Academy Awards, although it was not accepted as a nominee. Good on them. Yes. Based on a 1930 novella, this 1988 Italian film... Actually features Rucker Hauer. Yeah, Roy from that Blade Runner movie those kids like. Well, he actually, one of the extras here talks about how this was a really weird film for him to do because he was like, I've never done anything like this. I do genre stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm in The Hitcher. I'm in shit like that. You know, I'm in action movies. What was that one, Blind something, where he was like... Oh, yeah, Blind Justice? Yeah. That rocked ass. I like that movie. (laughs) That is not this movie, guys. (laughs) Yeah, this movie does not rock ass. He is this drunk, homeless guy sleeping under a bridge. He meets this older stranger who gives him 200 francs. That's a kind of money. Yeah, it's a kind of like, think <laughs> about euros. euros. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who, uh, he's like, well, I, you know, I'm an honorable man. I can't just take this money. I have to find a way to pay you back. He's like, no, don't do that. But instead, the guy goes, there's this local church and there's this little girl there. Give the money to that little girl and it'll go to that church and helping people. It's like, okay. So he spends the whole rest of the film, like, basically... Just having sort of not really that weird, but I guess slightly offbeat meetings with various different people and kind spending of. money on shit and then getting more money from random people. And yeah, it's like, hey, you should be a hedge fund manager. Like, you know, just like, okay, well, yeah, people, I don't know you, but yeah, okay. Suddenly all these people that he knew when he was younger start popping up again in his life and giving him money. And that stuff. was my thing was, was like, how much fucking life has this guy done? Because <laughs> like he was like a coal miner some some sort of I don't know like, well though it seems like most of these people we knew from like college or high school or whatever oh no well like like the the love interest like yeah. he was digging something like wearing a hard hat like uh, uh, I don't know your, your guess is as good as mine <laughs> I had a really hard time deciphering this thing um I guess that it probably somewhere deep down inside is like yes but we're saying something about life like are we are we really though? other than it's pointless because we know that like yeah i because this whole thing felt very pointless it's beautifully shot oh sure to I be sure and his his fucking eyes are on point like there there are plenty of close tight shots where you see his beautiful face and his beautiful eyes yeah he he was but, a gorgeous man no yeah, question. to be sure when he was young you're like wow that's a good looking dude that record howard <laughs> Uh, Dominic Pignon has a er- very early role in this thing. A lot of people know from his roles in uh, the brothers. Uh, what the hell is the name? The Genet brothers. Okay, like um, uh, the City of Lost Children. Oh, oh, the like real artsy shit. Yeah, well, oh, the wow. artsy stuff that I actually like watching. <laughs> As opposed to this, where nothing really happens. Nope. I mean, it is circular. I got it. Oh, it's circular because it comes around. He's under the bridge again. Yeah. Okay. I don't care. (laughs) It's just not my type of thing. I don't know what to tell you. I get it. Somebody out there is like, you totally didn't get that movie. I'm like, that's what I just said. (laughs) I just said I didn't get that movie. Quite frankly, I don't know that I want to. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I'm not going to throw all French movies under the bridge, if you will. But uh, this is one of that's endemic of when I think of French movies I don't like. I think yeah, when people shit on French cinema as a whole, this, this is, what is what they're what thinking they're talking, of. Yeah. yeah, like I said, there's a it's Arrow, so they really made it look gorgeous. Uh, but there's an interview with Rucker Hauer for ten minutes. 
uh, which is probably the only real reason in my mind to have this at all. No. And then there's an interview with the film's screenwriter for uh, a little under 30 minutes. Um, and that's about it. So very exciting. Yeah. I guess and somebody, like I said, I know that guy who's like, whatever, man, why don't you go back to your fucking, like your Hellraiser? Yeah. Why don't you watch your Melrose play Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man. All right. So one, I got to see, you did not get to see this nope. cult falls under the whole, I'm not going to make Joe watch this shit is Wes Craven's summer of fear. So yeah. good. So great. You wouldn't believe it. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Wes Craven, who I think, has certainly done some of the most important horror films in cinema, has also had a considerably more spotty and unpleasant career as a horror film director than most of the legendary horror I film I do directors. see Linda Blair in the title. Linda Blair is the primary character here. This was based on a book called Summer of Fear. And this is actually a made-for-television movie, which you can tell inside of 20 seconds watching it just from the soundtrack, which mm. is like, yeah, these are all obviously, like, I mean, there's something about 70s mo- TV movie soundtracks that you're like, you know, they're all really exaggerated and ridiculous. The 70s equivalent of Garage Band. But, but this was released as Stranger in Our House, and the idea is Linda Blair lives in a house with her parents, um, she... Uh, uh, dating a guy who's like a horse trainer type dude. She herself yeah. is like a horseback rider. And uh, basically her cousin um, is shows up, played by Lee Purcell, because both her parents and her house, their housekeeper died in a car crash. And they're like, oh, we'll take you in until it's time for you to go back to college. Uh, plus, Lee Purcell is super hot in this movie. Well, that's awesome. Record. So is Linda Blair, but you know, it's Linda. she was in that phase when her hair was like an afro, you know, mm-hmm. when she had yeah. that huge white chick afro. It was, it was, it was so very like, human. That was not a great look yeah. for her. Or well, anyone, you, really. you never know. Um, and she starts thinking, something's wrong with this girl. And of course, something is wrong because she's a witch and Oops. she's doing evil stuff and fucking Man. with everyone's lives. And it has a sort of like, it's bas- basically this movie is Poison Ivy with supernatural shit. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? That movie I mean, yeah, Poison yeah. Ivy? That's that's room to explore. Not the, not the DC character. But yes. The, I'm all, yeah. I'm yeah. The Drew Barrymore movie. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Was mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore? Or was, was it? it the other one? The one Alicia from Silverstone? No, 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 no. The one from Charmed. Alyssa Milano? Alyssa Milano. Mm, oh, I man. Remember. I think she was in the sequel. See, now I have yeah, to actually Fellas, we're, we're, we're doing the real the real deal for you. <laughs> yeah, we're going in deep here on this one. Um, yeah, it's 1992 film with Drew Barrymore. Yes, it was. There we go. Okay, uh, blonde Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Uh, so the, what is the second? But I feel like Alyssa, yeah, yep. Alyssa Milano was in Poison Ivy 2. There you go. Same idea. Like, you know, new girl comes in, starts seducing literally every buddy with the deck in sight mm-hmm. like the, the good girl is like something's wrong or you can tell something this person not who they said they were you know i mean it's not like it for the time when you put into the context of like when this came out and everything you're like this was actually a pretty decently budgeted well-made 1978 tv movie mm-hmm. double underline it's a 1978 tv movie yeah and that shit is almost impossible to watch now i mean have you even tried to go back and watch roots anytime recently you're like there's so much good stuff here but my god it is yeah. a 70s television movie yeah. and it with everything that comes if jordy wasn't that. in this i would turn it off yeah this is i mean it's more of a curiosity than anything else because you're like oh well it's a wes craven movie you haven't seen yet that's a horror movie well yeah that's kind of puzzling was was uh network television really needing wes craven at that time i mean at this point the tv movie was kind of a new thing still okay um and they were oh north and south hadn't happened yet (laughs) yeah 
And well, that was a miniseries. Um, and this was based on a very popular horror novel. And I think they were kind of like it seemed at the time. Like this was like you know a good move. Linda Blair coming off The Exorcist. Yeah. Although at this point she was coming off of a series of very popular but very controversial TV movies where she was plays one like she's like a teenage alcoholic mm-hmm. and there's another one where she's a teenage prostitute. She was just a teenage lots of stuff. Dude, those demons will wreck you. Yeah, they will. Uh, but yeah, I can't really recommend this outside of a curiosity piece. It's not terrible. It's just not, it didn't hold, it hold up with the times. It's got a commentary with Wes Craven, which is he must have done Shortly before he died, I guess. Um, and a 13-minute brand new interview with Linda Blair. And then an image gallery. So not a lot here, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And then we come to this one. Oh, my goodness. This movie. Oh, I said movie. It you feels like didn't. we need another word here. How- I had to actually make myself a series of notes of just because I was so fucking irritated watching this movie. No, no, and this, this moving picture show. The moving picture show that is, uh, what is it called? It's called Lichen. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's just so many things to say about this movie. Uh, this came out on DVD and just DVD, not surprising. Uh, it takes place deep in rural Georgia. A directorial debut for Bev Land. Hey, you know it. Um, it's just, it's you know it's a, obviously a werewolf movie, or at least it pretends like it is one. Yeah, kind of. I mean, the one thing I'll give this movie is that there's kind of an uh, oh, that was an interesting twist towards the very end with uh, whether or not it was a werewolf movie. Yeah. Um, You know, because you think, well, it's got to be one because it's doing the whole shots from the werewolf's point of view the whole time and everything. And then you're like, oh, well, everything's not as it appears. But, oh, okay. First off, they refer to this legend as the werewolf of Talbot County. And you're like, stop. There's no reason to throw in a fucking pun to the original werewolf film. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a call that's so obvious. It's like naming your character in a zombie movie, Raimi or Romero. Stop fucking doing it. Yeah, yeah, a la carte shit. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And the first scene in this movie, literally right off the bat, the first thing you see is a totally naked chick having sex. Mm -hmm. And so this movie puts its shit down. With a super gross dude. Yeah, with the, like, like, (laughs) I don't even know how that happened. Like, yes, really, really like she is so far out of his league they're not even playing the same sport nope uh and yeah so like gratuitous nude sex scene where of course people die uh right there and here's the deal you get like immediately you're like okay well forget about that which i don't think is ever mentioned ever again in the whole rest of the film but like that oh so no so i think her oh wow Man, spoilers abound. So the main girl of of Inquisition, I think it was her mom that attacked the sexy, gross people in the beginning uh, okay. and got shot, and that's how it ties in. Okay, well, yeah, it's it's one of those uh, very weak threads. Well, that's the thing. It's like it immediately from there moves to a group of annoying fucking teenagers and some more gratuitous nudity right off the bat, uh, introducing the lead girl who's kind of an outsider, right? And uh, she's from like strange foreign land, sort of, kind of. With yeah, the I guess so. Uh, she was played Callisto in X Three. She was Cinderella in Once Upon a Time. Uh, she played Maya on Heroes. She was like one of the only people I recognized. So you've got her. So she's the outsider chick who we're like, okay, she's a protagonist girl. And then you have the annoying preppy blonde chick, right? Who's who's a kind total of who's bitch. a total bitch. Yeah. Then you have the slightly less annoying but much more nondescript brunette slutty chick, but like. 
popular chick. Yeah. And then you have the talky drug addict film student guy. I mean, come on. The guy played Felix on Once Upon a Time, for the record. Then you have the relatively nondescript black guy. Oh, I was just, yeah, because I was just going to say, and a black guy. Yeah. And then you have the jockey guy who goes against tight because he's being nice to the outsider girl, even though the, the blonde. Yeah, and he wants nothing to do. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so this is right out of Slasher Film 101. Sure. This yeah. cast here. <laughs> there's all right so there's classic lines like th- that basically come down to stuff like this i'm scared from this campfire story so i'm gonna go take a walk in the woods by myself that happens yep she's like i'm too scared for this so i'm gonna go walk off in the woods at at night all from, by myself yeah, from the protection of a group and fire <laughs> or and then a little later well I know there's a killer stalking us, but I kind of feel like a third wheel because you guys are into each other. So I'm going to go walk off into the <laughs> yeah. woods by myself. Uh, like, I mean, this keeps happening with like, they're like, there's no reason this person would leave this group when they know that they're being killed. Oh my God. Then the overexcited sound guy with all the like really loud howling around them. And everyone's like, huh, that's peculiar. So let me let me ask you. This is this is kind of a cross contamination thing, but uh, the lady was wanting to watch some sort of a, a spooky Halloweeny sort of movie last night. So we we put on last or late phases. Yes, uh, I mean, it's better than this. It is better than this. <laughs> so should we just not do werewolf movies? Like- there are some. <laughs> Really good werewolf movie, but it seems so difficult that unless you it have is. a slam dunk, like the, just, the, just the fuck off. Bulk of them are trash. Yeah, like there's Ginger Snaps is good. Mm-hmm. American Werewolf in London is good. Yeah, the first of the Howling series is okay. good. None okay. of the Fair others. Fair the enough. Howling two may be the worst horror movie ever. <laughs> like the Howling one, pretty solid. There's Dog Soldiers. Didn't see. Really good. Okay. Yeah, it's like military dudes up against. Werewolf. Okay, well, Wolf Cop obviously gets Wolf a pass. Cop, yeah. That yeah. gets a I super mean, just pass. a werewolf having, like, a slow, sexy love scene with a human chick is, yes. like, worth the price mm-hmm. of admission Done. to that alone. Um, there's one that actually just played Fantastic Fest, and I don't want to say what the name of it is because it would the fact that it's a werewolf movie is kind of the reveal the, okay. halfway through the second act where you don't realize what's going on. But it was super great. It was like, oh, it's something new in werewolves. And, of course, the original, The Wolfman, mm-hmm. is pretty solid. Yeah, Michael Landon? No. <laughs> I, and plus, I wouldn't. I'm not going to count the Teen Wolf movies of either era no, as their no, comedy. That's Toad's to yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else because there's not many. The werewolf genre is just like one of those ones. It's, it's a toughie. Tough. It's a real toughie. It's hard to sell that. You show. know what it is? You can't see abs underneath fur. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, I did want to point out one last thing on this terrible, terrible movie. There's a that '70s scene, yeah, scene in the shot in the middle of this. You know those scenes in the show when they have the rotating camera between mm-hmm. them as they're all having the conversation when they're smoking pot. For no reason at all, this movie right in the middle of it has like a whole conversation that they shoot that way, and I was like, "What is happening?" Right now? And I gotta say, the lack of Fez made me appreciate Fez. Like there was nothing to ground it. That's very true. This needed a fez. <laughs> I might have liked it a little tiny, tiniest bit better if it had had a fez, but it decidedly does not. Oh, so when when I was watching uh, uh, late phases, uh, bleed over from Lycan, uh, the the older redhead lady in Lycan. I was confusing with Tina Louise, who's in Late Phases. Uh-huh. And so I was like, wait, wait, wait. I think I've watched this. No, 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 no. Ginger wasn't in that last one. I think it's almost every other werewolf movie I can think of that I go, yeah, it's worth watching. It's not like a great movie, like The Company of Wolves. Yeah, it's worth watching. Mm-hmm. Not a great movie. Bad Moon. Yeah, it's worth watching. 
Not Wolf, Wolf, not great. Wolf, not great, but I'd say, yeah, watch it. I still couldn't say watch The Wolf Man. That shit was no. just bad. But mm-hmm. Wolf is one I'm like, oh, it's fun enough. I mean, come on. Jack Nicholson is a werewolf. is like yeah. Al Pacino is Satan. Exactly. It doesn't matter what else is going on. <laughs> you're like, that alone is enough for you to go, oh, I'll watch that. Wolfen is another one. You're like, yeah, it's it's fine. It's not a classic. I mean, what are you going to do? There's oh, and of course, the Underworld series. <laughs> yeah, which I guess which I guess counts. Uh, Wes Craven's Cursed. Nope. Skip that altogether. Don't want to watch that. I mean, I'm looking through. I just Googled best werewolf movies and like even Google's like, fuck, man, I don't know. The Howling 3? Do stuff. (laughs) All right. All right, guys. New Digital Noise Challenge. Uh, Make your best five minute werewolf video. Post it to to, to us somehow. And um, I don't know. I'll kiss you on the mouth. I I don't I don't even know how. No. People won't do it. They're like, a werewolf thing? Nobody wants to see a fucking werewolf movie. No. Come on. All right. Let's move on to another horror film that I saw that you didn't see. And be, my God, Lycan was a masterpiece by comparison to this movie, Lilith's Hell. Okay. Now, Lilith, and yeah, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but trust me, I'm like, you guys will be glad I'm saving you from watching this movie. Lilith is, in mythology, Adam's first wife. Yeah, Adam's first wife, who basically wanted to like have sex with him on top, and Adam is like, ooh, gross. And, and she's like, I'm made, san- made of sand too, bitch. I'm going to go have sex with demons. Yeah, yeah. And so God kicked her out, of like ban- banished her from Earth, and she turned into sort of like the first demon. The mother of demons. The mother of demons. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, depending on which version of the mythology, some say she's the first vampire or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he or she's basically the mother of demons. And that's like kind of the reveal later on in this Italian made, but half in English movie that's ultimately just a possession movie. <laughs> like, uh, it's like this guy who is the worst actor I've seen in a horror movie in a really long time, who's the American guy who's teamed up with his, like, Lothario Italian friend, where they're going to film this horror movie and that he keeps saying is not a horror movie, even though when he's describing it, it's clearly a horror movie. Uh-huh. It's about cannibals. Oh, it's a thriller, yeah. though. Yeah. Um, uh, and they're going to film it in the Lothario Italian guy's grandmother's house. Because she's out of town or some shit. Oh, that's that's handy. Uh, who yeah. lives in, like, a total swinger apartment. And you're nice. like, damn, dude, what the fuck? Uh, and so they're there, and the guy is just the worst actor, and he's so annoying, the director guy. And then the actresses show up, and they're, like, or the actress who's, like, you know, clearly basically a porn star. Are they, like, skanky uh, hot? Yeah. Okay, that cool. kind of hot. And then her friend slash hairdresser who is a makeup artist who is, like, total goth chick. Okay, I was going to say, is she artsy hot? Yes. Okay, cool. And uh, and there are, nobody gets along, and they all hate each other, and they keep saying, look, weird stuff is happening. How can you tell? Because the camera does it like a digitalized thing, and that's it. Seriously. <laughs> like, the camera goes, <laughs> the image. Yes, this is found footage. Um, and then eventually the, the super hot one gets possessed, and she starts killing people. She, like, literally the first guy, she bites his dick off in a jacuzzi happens yeah but you can't see every time this movie wants to do something gory it does the thing like oh when the demon gets pissed it make affects the video so it gets all blocky and oh like, right because fan footage you're right. like this is the most annoying thing i've ever seen <laughs> like i can't i mean and by the time it finally gets to the reveal of the plot of like oh this is what it is and any person of the female persuasion who's there is in danger of being possessed you're just like i've thrown up my hands a while ago because every time this thing seems like it's about to do something interesting it does that camera shit and gets mm. really loud and staticky and annoying Lilith's hell is more like the viewer's hell okay avoid this movie at all costs and it's a shame because the premise which feels like there would have been something cool to do here that goes into sort of like a feminist horror movie mm-hmm. it doesn't manage to do any of that all right i'll just eat some ribs 
All right, let's get one. I actually respect this one a lot. Oh, but yeah. I feel like I needed four more cups of coffee to watch it because it's so fucking long. My thing was, this is the kind of movie that I love. I have to endure this. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like, it is so long and it's so subtextual, but it's so gorgeous looking and the score is cool and and, and there's neat fable shit in well, it and, and it's called soul on a string it's right. called soul on a string and it does uh some some weird timeline shit where at first you're like well okay or, or what and then and then it explains it perfectly fine uh but it is enough of dissonance at first that you're like oh okay let me pay attention yeah it's like a a western fable uh set in tibet made by the chinese uh, but with mainly Tibet, actual Tibetan actors. Yeah. And it's an odd one. It's like a warrior's story, you know, like uh, of this guy who's really kind of a jerk. Yeah, a classic piece of shit makes good. Yeah. Like very Buddhist. Yeah. And he um, is being hunted by well, – we see this one guy straight up because his dad apparently killed the other guy's dad. And, and as they explain later, it's like it doesn't matter if you weren't even born yet. Yeah, that I, guy's got a right to take yeah. revenge on Sorry, you. Sorry, bro, got to do this. That's how it goes. But I'm totally unclear on what the relationship was of all the other guys who start popping up <laughs> along the movie who are also hunting this main character, who along the way ends up teaming up with a chick he thought was just a one-night stand and then end up going a like... A clingy lady. Yeah, being you know, like his Klingon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then a little kid <laughs> who they find out of nowhere because he throws like a pot over the side of a mountain and hits the kid into the head. A little kid who is amazingly useful. Yes. The kid like, is like... He's, he's no, fucking Garmin. Much more useful than they are. Yes. Uh, and so they're wandering for, I think they said like a decade. Something like that, yeah. Uh, all throughout the mountains because he's supposed to, uh, he's been, he was literally resurrected by monks who were like, okay, dude, now you have to go and do all this shit and that's your destiny. Sorry. Yeah, about they, they put a real fucking heavy trip on his ass. They really <laughs> did. It was, it felt a little uncalled for. I would have been like, can you just make me dead again? Yeah, just kill me. Because this it's does like, not sound like so- something I It I'd sounds like more happen. than an afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of like things circling back on, in on each other thematically. And there's, like I said, this, I mean, it's filmed in Tibet. This is gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it looks and sounds so beautiful. And there's a lot of moments to this that I was like, wow, that was cool. But my God, is it a long fucking movie? Yes. And it is so like laconic in the way that it plays out. There's obviously moments that, like I said, clearly have some deeper meaning, but there's points you're just like, I'm just having trouble focusing on the plot of this movie, you know, because it is taking so long to get where it wants to. It's weirdly Americanized in so many ways, because like I said, a lot of it feels spaghetti Western-ish, like sort of, sort of, yeah, I would say that if you want to watch a really decent movie, but you also have to organize something, put this on. (laughs) Well, only if you speak Chinese. Well, just look up. Just keep looking up every once in a while. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, look at the running. Like, I actually thought for a second this was going to be in Amer- in English. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know. Either. But I was wrong. Uh, there's no English speaking in this movie whatsoever. There is a short film included on here called. That was a weird ad. Uh, the Rifle, the Jackal, the Wolf, and the Boy, an 18-minute movie from Lebanon about a pair of brothers who use their father's gun, which I have no idea what connection that has in any it's, way. It's, so it's no connection. Uh, 
in in the, the the kind of previews that play before it, it's very obvious that this uh, distribution company really wants to make cinema like a, a global thing. Mm-hmm. So there's no connection between their content other okay. than it's global. Okay, fair enough. They're like encouraging like offbeat global yes, cinema, which I which I appreciate. Yeah, no, I just don't think this is your your banner. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I certainly see why this is a movie I wish I had actually seen in a theater. Because mm-hmm. it calls for being seen in a... Sure, with, yeah. On a Gigantic, big screen. Yeah. It's just that kind of movie. And it's a little harder to stay involved in the world it creates when you're watching it on your TV. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well. Uh, and then we have, moving on to, you know... Regular stuff with, like, real, you know, paid by, like, the union <laughs> level uh, people, writers and directors and actors. HBO's movie of The Wizard of Lies. No, this is not fantasy film. Um, it is uh, the fantasy inside the mind of a complete fucking sociopath. <laughs> this is the story of Bernie Madoff, who is one of the biggest scumbags in recent American history. He was a uh, businessman who basically made made a giant Ponzi scheme, ripped off people for, I think they said it was like billions, really. Oh, no, absolutely billions. Uh, like almost crashed the entire uh, Wall Street stock market through his actions. And Rob De Niro here is the guy they've chosen to play him with Michelle Pfeiffer playing his wife. Uh, Alessandro Nivola as one of his sons, uh, Hank Azaria as sort of his like number two guy yeah. who, the, of the guys who know what's his actually actual numbers happening. guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of other familiar faces in this thing as well. And I, I felt like this is like, it tries to give it a little bit of a unique style to it. It's kind of a linear at points, but ultimately I felt like it was a little workmanlike. Yeah, no, it was, it was very by the numbers, uh, and I definitely think that De Niro, um, that wasn't Bertie Madoff, that was, uh, was fucking Robert De Niro. Like, there's there was not really any real work as far as, you know, of him, like, diving into the character other than, like, they're both from New York, so there you go, that's that's what's going to happen. I mean, I guess I agree, I've, I've never even seen video of Bernie Madoff talking or anything, so I don't have much of a reflection on how close that portrayal may have been. That being said... I found De Niro still kind of mesmerizing in the part, and the movie's central conceit really is, is this guy mentally unbalanced? Is he a, really a sociopath? That's literally the last line of the film of him asking, because it goes back and forth of him being interviewed in jail, of him right. asking the reporter, do you think I'm a sociopath? That's the weird thing about this movie, is is the reporter tie-in. Because mm-hmm. I'm not sure, is that the actual reporter, or is that somebody Yeah, that her? was the real reporter. Right, because I had heard... He got to play the role of her. Because I had heard her on NPR when she was actually interviewing him, so it was kind of a bit of a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, that that was that was the only real kind of catch for me. Everything else was very by the numbers. I mean, it worked for me because I knew kind of vaguely the Bernie Madoff story, but I didn't know any of the details. And this really is a fucking tragic tale of this like but, guy who not only destroyed the lives of all these other people, he destroyed his own family's lives. Oh yeah, like very completely. very directly. Yeah, well, who so had no idea what was happening. The, the thing about his scheme was that it was so far reaching that. Even if you hadn't invested with him in some way, shape, or form, your life has been affected by it. Yeah. It was that big of a thing. <laughs> that huge. Um, I, you know, I found it very interesting because, like I said, I did not know any of these details. And I think it's one of those films that just as the fact this was a real story, this is how it went down, is fascinating. Like I said, I didn't really feel like this is 
above and beyond filmmaking, mind you, but I think everybody here does a good job in it. I think the movie gets done what it needs to get done. It's in and out in a reasonable amount of time. It's like, you know, it's over two hours, but it's that's as much time as it kind of needs. It I was think. nice to see Michelle Pfeiffer again. Uh, Pfeiffer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she actually seems like she's making a comeback right now. Well, good. Good yeah, for her. Yeah, she's been appearing in a couple different things lately. Wasn't she? I want to say she was in... Was she in Mother? I can't, yeah, she was in Mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She played like the the really nasty, like visiting wife in Mother okay. of Ed Harris. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's if, like if you're like me and you have not, you're not super familiar with this story, but you're like, I'd be interested in knowing more. I think you'll actually really genuinely enjoy this. If you are hyper familiar, this isn't going to tell you anything. No, you it's not. Know. Although I do think it it's focus on really well what is a sociopath in the terms of you're not a killer you're not going out and murdering people so what is that distinction between a sociopath that works on wall street and or in the white house well, yeah, well i mean it's clearly displayed because he understands the repercussions of what he's doing he just doesn't give a fuck he just does not care right yeah um and all this has is uh cast interviews about seven and a half minutes which is just um, mainly footage from the film with a few comments by some of the cast. It's basically an EPK, so it's not a lot extra here, really. Uh, our last movie, which, I don't know, did you see this in the theater? I did not. Okay, well, obviously I'm going to have to loan this to you so you can watch it. Okay. Um, they just sent it to me kind of late, so I wanted to make sure we could get it up. That is War for the Planet of the Apes. A lot of people are calling this one of the best of the year. A lot of people are calling this the best of the, the Planet of the Apes. Or the Ape movies. <laughs> I mean, I definitely enjoyed the living hell out of this movie, and I, I don't know. I enjoyed all three of the apes. Movies. I'm sorry. I just saw Steve's on, so I need to know more about that. You're in. Yeah, I am. Steve's I'm on. a Zon fan. I'm a Zon fan. I like that. Um, yeah, this is directed by Matt Reeves, who also did the second one, but not the first one. Uh, and it is the final installment, kind of decisively, of the prequel okay. apes movies. If they do another one, it'd almost certainly just be a flat out remake of Planet of the Apes. Okay. With the altered timeline, because this movie, more than the first two, really starts to set, like, okay, so obviously this is not in the same exact universe as the okay. Charlton Heston movie, or thank God the Mark Wahlberg one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But, yeah, it uh, sets up with the apes. They're kind of, you know, they, they, they thought that everything was okay. They're kind of living on their own in the woods. And this, there's this splinter group of the U.S. military that's just attacking the shit out of them. Guys. Uh, and, and trying to kill them. Uh, they're, in general, holding them back. But still, they're like, well, this is fucked up. Like, I wish these guys would just leave us the fuck alone. We're not coming after them. I wish kill some them. goddamn apes. Uh, and they find out their mysterious leader is played by Woody Harrelson, who is kind of a lunatic. And okay. the reason for that is because apparently there's this virus going around that is affecting humans that's making them sort of become more animalistic. Like, they can't speak anymore. And so not the rage to, virus. They don't really... No, the exact opposite. They just... They kind of become docile and are incapable of, like, higher reasoning. Hmm. Um, and it affected his... his his family and a lot of other people around him. And he's basically blaming the apes for this being a thing. Uh, Although there's yeah. no direct connotation that it has anything to do with that. It's, you know, the humans are, are ter- evolving to be dumber than apes, which is I ironic. It. Yeah. You know, well, we're seeing it happen right now. <laughs> um, and so it ends up being sort of like a, uh, Apes on the Road movie to some extent. Nice. Um, Ape Road Trip. Yeah. And then turns into like a quite literal like war film, like almost uh, sort of a uh, 
the war film in the sense of uh, what's that Steve McQueen one with uh, the Great Escape? Yeah, it's kind of like a very Great Escape feel to it, hmm. and some great performances. Great Escape. Uh, see what you did there. Uh, Andy Serkis is once again so good playing Caesar, the the primary protagonist ape in this thing. He's so great. You're like I would. You could watch a whole movie without any humans in this whatsoever, and it would never for a second you would you be taken out of it or have to suspend your disbelief because their CG has just gotten... Like, these guys are the high watermark for quality nice. CG mocap work. Like, uh, nobody's ever done it better than these apes. Of uh, computer apery? Computer apery. Just in general, computer okay. mocap characters. Nobody's ever done it as good as these, these as they have in these films. Certainly not with getting expressions and, you know, showing emotion. I mean, you really, I mean, you cry for this guy at points. His life gets so horrible shit happens to him. Introduces Steve Zahn. Here's your moment. There we go. Bad Ape. Who's not actually a bad ape. He's kind of like a wormy ape. He's like, I'm kind of nervous. That kind of guy, you know, (laughs) who actually is one of the the characters who ended up appearing, who, who was actually in the... Classic Planet of the Apes. Okay. But it introduces a lot more characters from that we know from the continuity proper. As but no were. Dr. Zaius? Uh, no Dr. Zaius, but we uh, do get to see the, the that human girl that was mysteriously uh, like uh, tripping around. Mm-hmm. Like she becomes a, the, they introduce her character and okay. where she came from. But yeah, this is quality stuff, man. It's definitely I, the only people are complaining about this. We're like, well, I was expecting this giant action movie with tons of nonstop. I was expecting a Marvel film, and it's like these movies have never been that. They've really just been kind of like really cerebral films with a couple big <laughs> moments. Motherfucker, go watch Star Trek, yeah. which I never thought I would say. Never thought you'd say that <laughs> because of that. Uh, but yeah, highly, re- highly recommended. I mean, honestly, I mean, you definitely, this is not a movie you want to watch by itself. You want to watch the first two first, which are super great movies anyway. But this is, I mean, a night in and of itself watching okay. all three of these. Cause it's just a solid trilogy. Uh, the new Blu-ray comes with some deleted scenes with optional audio commentary by the director. There's a series of featurettes on this thing. There's a concept art gallery and then an overall commentary with Matt Reeves. Nice. Um, so, yeah, this is is really good stuff. Comes highly recommended by me, Chris. I would throw my feces to watch that. Well, as well you should. Okay. Not in my house. Um, no, I'm about to. No, don't do it, man. Uh, it's just, there's only one way to stop me. <laughs> well, keep you from keep taking your belt off. <laughs> yeah, just just throw me some movies. Oh boy, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to do that. All right, so that's it for this week's. Uh, or not even this week's because there's two this week. But for this episode of Digital Noise with Joe, uh, I'll we'll have a new other ep- another episode up shortly after this with Aaron. Where- I mean, but this is the better of the two. I mean, maybe. No, I know. Okay, this was the better of the two. Hope you liked it, ladies and gentlemen, listeners to oneofus.net. Be a subscriber. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, being a subscriber is it. The long-term benefits of being a subscriber at oneofus.net have been proven by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Watch TV, but not too much. Remember to cast a wide net of types of shows you watch. Even reality TV may have the occasional gem to offer. Don't feel too bad that you have trouble finding friends that share your interests. You are amazing, and you should love what you love. Sure, in 20 years you'll look back at your favorite stuff and cringe at some of it, but it will be with an affectionate smile. By the way, 
I have no doubt that you probably look amazing. Even if you haven't found that person yet, if you believe in yourself, somebody is going to love you. I'm sure anime is great. I don't personally watch a lot of it, although some of our staff certainly does. You'll feel better in realizing that my lack of interest in it isn't me critiquing the quality of anime and affects your love of it in no way. Tony is probably not gonna show up. Yeah, we wish he would too. Love that guy. Taking it personal when someone likes something you hate or hates something you love in entertainment is understandable when young. But as you get older, trust me, there will be little that will make you feel more embarrassed about yourself than cruel things you said on someone's Facebook page about DC versus Marvel or whatever at three in the morning. At least hopefully. Write. Create. Do your own thing. And if you don't have the time, find the time. Try out the shows you haven't given a shot to yet on our network, like Thumbtacks and Screwjobs, Somebody Likes It, or Deliberations of Doom. We think you'll be pleasantly surprised. But seriously, trust me on the subscription.